back to the Beers and Sears podcast week 10. And unfortunately, we are still hurting from the loss up in Stillwater to the mullet, who is a man and is no longer 40. But we'll get into that as we always do, rehash our wounds because we're weird psychos like that. But first off, as always, shout outs to everyone. Um, we've been loving the t-shirts and along with the koozie Snapchats and pictures being sent to us, a big shout out to uh, Juan Algodone and uh, Horns on 6th up in uh, Marshall, West Virginia a few weeks ago. That was awesome. And uh, keep on going with those. Please keep on sending them in. We really do appreciate that. Uh, keep on following us Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Anchor, all the good stuff. Uh, we've had really good numbers this year, and it's been increasing almost every single week. So please keep it up. Like We really appreciate that. Uh, big shout-out to our marketing manager. I think she is a, a big part of that. So if you know who she is, she still remises, wishes to remain anonymous for some reason that i don't understand but anyway she's doing a great job i think uh, we've mentioned her name a few times so it's like anonymous but not really it's not that anonymous but like if you know uh, it's like you know who it is okay anyway we are up to 260 followers on our instagram now so let's get that 300 300 300 i think the goal would be to get 300 by the end of the season yes so please if you feel nice and want to help us out please post on your instagram story about beers and steers or just post something about the shirt or the koozie or anything if so. we get to above 300 by recording of next week i will walk to the taco bell on instagram live by my house and eat five tacos by myself on instagram live how about that all right well i'm now telling everyone i know to instagram story about us so 265 get above 300 by this time next wednesday all right that's y'all's uh, task for the week but yeah, keep on spreading the word. Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Leave us voicemails. We've got some good ones coming this week. Uh, that number is 802-487-6107. 802-487-6107. Uh, t-shirts. Gray t-shirts are in. I did not get around to getting them from my apartment today, but they are here. I will get them tomorrow, which means I will, and I will be in Austin this week, so... If you're awaiting a gray t-shirt and you'll be in Austin this week, please text me so I know that you'll be there and I can get it out to you. Um, and also your white ones, I know I still I'm literally have the box just staring at me right now. I'll get them to you eventually, hopefully. Uh, Houston people, you should be covered. But if not, John will have y'alls. But uh, all right, let's start off as uh, we always got to do. Beer of the week. John, what do we got? All right, beer of the week is snapped strong ale or excuse me gingerbread snapped strong ale from the one and only wild acre brewing company in fort worth as you all know uh, wild acre has become our um beer of the week for the last few weeks but uh this beer is what what would we say it's a special for november and december i think it's a, a limited release is the uh, official term Oh, wow. That's very official. Special, 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 special release. release. Special release. What it says on I'm the sorry. can. So. I apologize. Yeah. No, you got to get it right. But uh, I actually haven't tried it myself. We have some um, in our Dallas offices, office of Beers and Steers, but I have not had um, the pleasure of trying this yet because it was just released uh, recently. So look it up. Um, look up uh, Wild Acre on social media or online. And uh, give them a give them a follow. Yeah, so we've been hinting at it for the past I don't know week or so, and how we might have some big uh, announcements. I think uh, we can finally officially say we've partnered up with Wild Acre out in Fort Worth. Our um, lawyers gave us approval. To we finally got that. We had an extensive law review um, done on this, but uh, big shout out and thank you to Mr. John Pritchett over at Wild Acre and Mr. Bruce Connie over at Wild Acre. GTBO. They, yeah, there we go. Those guys um, have been very supportive of us for the past few, few weeks. We've been in contact with them. And I finally got to go over there uh, t- on Tuesday and speak with uh, Mr. Pritchett about everything. And they love everything that we're doing, and we love their beer. And we really do. I'm drinking the Happy Phil right now, IPA, and it's really damn good. All right, John and I were actually talking about it like right before we started podcasting, how good this beer uh, specifically is. But they're all great, and they gave us some free product and everything. So... Please follow them on Instagram. Go by their tap house if you're in Fort Worth. I was over there yesterday. I mean, they've got so many TVs. They've got food trucks every single weekend uh, on Saturday, and I'm pretty sure on Sunday, and sometimes on Thursdays, and live music usually every Saturday. So go over there if you get a chance. They're super nice. Um, it's a great place. I think they've got a special. It's like 15 bucks. 
you get three beers and you could take home the glass and I don't think they count how many beers you drink. So uh, just big thank you and a shout out to Wild Acre. They've got an awesome social media team going on Instagram too with all their announcements on all their beers. But yeah, we've officially partnered up with them. I'm super pumped about this. If you had told me three years ago when John and I were sitting in John's apartment drinking lukewarm Budweiser that we'd officially actually have a beer sponsor, I'd be bouncing off the walls and I still am. So thank you to everyone that kind of getting us here to allow us to ramble on for an hour and uh, get some free beer on the side. So we really do appreciate it, especially the guys at Wild Acre. So big shout outs to them. I wouldn't consider it rambling anymore. I think it's just kind of like casual conversation. It's stream of conscious. That sounds a little more smart. <laughs> yeah. Even though we're not that smart. All right, let's get into wait, the... Wait, wait, wait. What? Before we go, last, last note on shirts. If you have people, friends, roommates, family, yada, 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 that, wants, that want a shirt when they see you wearing it you know, on Sundays, um, tell us. Please let us know. We uh, I've had multiple people tell me that you know, family members want a shirt, so... Um, we would very uh, greatly appreciate you guys um, kind of telling people what the shirt actually means when you're wearing it because I think some people have been uh, questioning like you know what beers and steers is so tell people about it that would help us out in um, distributing the rest of these shirts so large and XLs are still available in gray I even convinced an OU sooner to buy a shirt the other day so mm. yeah there you go but uh, all right so we played what uh, Saturday night. Unfortunately, um, both of us were tied up with various obligations, but both persevered and found a way to watch parts of the game. I got caught listening to it at dinner, but that's that's, uh, some true dedication. Yeah, I was sitting with people I had never met before, and this lady just very quickly pointed out, do you have headphones in right now? And I said, yes, ma'am, I do. Uh, But anyways, yeah, we were both committed to it. But unfortunately, like John said, we weren't able to watch everything. Uh, Yes, we both went back and watched parts of it not all of it i don't i couldn't get through the whole thing again it's painful it was so painful to watch especially that first half but you know what? we're gonna dive into it because that's what we do that's why we're so weird that's what we do best uh I, it was gonna happen like you're crazy to think if, if you really thought that we were about to run the table and get into the playoff or whatever like you're nuts like it's year two blah 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 if you step back a little bit it was never gonna happen obviously the dream that's part of it it's part of college football in general, but it was not going to happen. I'm glad it happened this week. If it happened, if it happened this past week, or in, or it wouldn't didn't happen this past week, and it happens this week, like I would be about to jump off a bridge, like yeah, uh, completely. So every now, time, every time we would have won, like we've won a game on that win streak, it was like just getting better and better and better. It was just like the the pressure of each game was, I guess, just it was crazy. I, I, I hated if we would have won at Oklahoma State somehow and then lost to West Virginia, I'll be a lot more pissed than I am right, right now. Yes, 100%. And, like, it completely eliminates us from the playoff. Like, that's not happening. Like, Which we shouldn't have even been considered for the playoffs, I don't think. But, no, I agree with you. But it's still, like, let's say we win that game and then we lose to West Virginia and West Virginia, like, blows out OU and blows out everyone and West Virginia gets in and some crazy stuff happens. They're like, oh, you know, this two t- lost Texas team. Like, we go into the Big 12 championship and we win or something. Like, people would be like, there's an argument to be made. Like, nope, not anymore. It's completely done. I'm glad. Yeah. We're never getting through it. Like, we're not getting there this year. I'm, I've come to that realization, and it's okay, I'm okay with it, you know? But, yeah, no, it's, it's nice to not have to, I guess, have that over our head. But it, I think you could tell in some of the seniors, they were pretty, pretty yeah. fit into the game because they were playing for – They were playing for the playoff. Yeah, of course. They were playing for playoff because, you know, most of the seniors on this team didn't even make a bowl their first two yeah, seasons. Yeah, I haven't so, even sniffed it. Like, um, so, no, the success was uh, fun. It doesn't mean it's over. we still got a lot to play for. But I agree. It was just – it was disappointing to see us lose. But more especially – or more specifically to see us lose because of playing a bad quarter. And right. I think um, – We'll probably dive into this a little more in a couple minutes, but what are your thoughts on the uh, on the suspensions and, and then their impact on the game? I know you missed the first quarter originally, yeah. but you I, look back and you see what we gave up 250 yards, 24 points in the first quarter. Um, the, like the crazy thing is, not cra- it's really not that crazy, points, but like 17 points, excuse me. I, I think if Boyd and Devontae were in, like it wouldn't have been that much 
better, you know? When you're going up against, like, an offensive mind like Gundy, and he's a freak, he's one of the best at it, and he's got two weeks to scheme you, like, you're going to give up points, and you're going to give up points quick. When you have to scramble, you have no idea what you're doing, you're trying to stick to your base defense, and it takes, uh, you know, a quarter or two to realize, like, okay, we really got to change something. So, obviously it didn't help. I'm not that stupid, but... I really don't think it made that much of a difference. What, I mean, what, what about you? I mean, I think it definitely played into it. Um, we'll talk about the linebackers and their bad game later on. But I think it definitely did not help. Um, it just seemed like every single pass was going. I mean, they were they were open. Um, not necessarily saying Boyce and Cook uh, would have stopped the run game. But it just seemed having a little bit more experience out there would have helped and at least keeping that 250 yards down a little bit. You look at it, we gave up 500 yards at the end of the game, our total for the whole game. So 250 in the first quarter and then 250 for the remaining three. Um, obviously, Chris Boyd did not have a good game once he was in, but at least has the experience that Anthony Cook and them did not have. So, yeah. again, I think, I think you're right that it did not – it's not the reason why we lost. There's a lot – there's plenty of more reasons that we'll get to, but it definitely did not help, and it's frustrating to think – um, you know, think what if, um, if, the, if that did yeah. not, but it is what it is. Um, but one you know, of those yeah, touchdowns is a field goal, and like, you know, yeah, it's oh, a, yeah, yeah, or, yeah, I'm trying to remember. No, it, it was crazy. No, I, and it, I think it, the, the offense was even more of that, which is weird to say, but like the offense, the defense collectively shit the bed. The offense didn't collectively shit the bed. It was not like every single player was like completely scrambling, had no idea on offense. It was like one player on one play, each play different player different play and it that's what collectively made it all go wrong like i think you could argue the little jordan humphrey drop catch in like the end of the first quarter which was pretty funny that herman was like yeah you're not suspended anymore get out there uh, yeah he kind of popped up after the first drive yeah well, he said there's only gonna be one drive that was yeah. like that was like an old like bobby bowden you're suspended for like a half and you or like, yeah, I think it was like the first pass play we went straight to him yeah <laughs> anyways uh, like you could argue that that drop pass like could have been the difference. You know, if he m- catches that, he's at least got the first down, at least got a, you know, at least five or ten more, and it keeps the drive going, keeps the defense off the field, blah blah blah, butterfly effect, butterfly effect. Who knows what happens? But I, it was the offense was just so weird in that it was like I said, like none of them like all shot the bed at once. It was just one guy each play that just really kind of messed it up, and it was even more frustrating to watch. I think in looking rewatching it on the back end, knowing what's going to happen, knowing you can just pick out one little thing like why didn't he do that? Why didn't he do this on offense? So I don't know. It was it was really weird. I, I don't want to blame anything on officiating, but there was there's those that fucking false start was so bad. Or sorry, offsides. Offsides. Like holding call. I think Gundy's got like whispering magic. Like he just like is a snake charmer with refs because every, like literally every Oklahoma State game for the past what like four years has had like some ridiculously bad official calls. But, yeah, the holding on back like it, it was all over the place. So I don't know. I mean positives like we showed up in the second half again. Uh, what we only gave up seven points in the second half after giving like, up thirty one. Going back to penalties though, the I guess. We had 11, they had four. So that's, I mean, pretty yeah. big spread there. Uh, credit their discipline, I guess. But I don't know, I agree with you. I think the uh, Gundy, there's always been a weird factor of every Oklahoma State game, whether it's Michael Dixon having a punt go straight off his, or not a punt, a snap go off his face, or like a pick six. I mean, those are us shooting ourselves in the foot. But I agree, Gundy has always had some sort of weird feeling after games um our Oklahoma State games always had a weird feeling but um what were you saying about yards offense wise uh, no I just like I was talking more like second half like the, the second half team like oh. showed up especially on defense which yes. is so weird to say but like they only gave up seven I mean you give up 31 points in the first half and you give up seven in the second like that's a big difference obviously we we're doing something right in the third and fourth um when you're playing like that in the third and fourth, like you're gonna win a big game. You're gonna win like a big come behind game. Like it's just, it's how college football kind of works. Like if if you can play well in the second half, you're never out of any fight um, yeah. with how the offense is going and all that type of stuff. But 
I'm glad that came back again. Uh, it's still sucks, but uh, I mean, go just going overall again. Like, if we win that game, we're waltzing in West Virginia. Like, we're probably like minus like six or seven, or like we're about to like shut the door, like blow the doors off. Like, yeah, Kyler, we're coming for that ass. We're looking ahead, like all that shit. Now it's like okay. You get so many pissed off seniors. You get a pissed off Sam, who's by the way perfectly healthy, as he demonstrated on Saturday. Um, and you get a, a yeah a final senior put or push from a group that has dealt with more shit than anyone else has, and uh, th- they actually have a, at least a pretty solid chance of making the Big Twelve championship, and they control their own destiny. That's yeah, the other they control point. their own destiny, which is nice. So. I, I like it. I mean, I, it obviously it sucks and it's not fun, but I'll take it now rather than next week or in two weeks or you know if we if we would have lost a tech to lose. Oh my god! I mean, yeah. yeah, no. Again, it would have like every week would have been more and more pressure. Where it would have just been, uh, I guess, if we would have kept winning, a loss would have just been more devastating. But uh, I think you're right in saying it kind of brings our team back down from you know cloud nine that we were we, we were kind of getting to that point where like all right. Uh, we barely survived Baylor, but if we would have beat Oklahoma State, you know, on the room, oh, sorry, on the road, prime time game, uh, we probably would have waltzed into West Virginia thinking we were a lot better than we were, thinking we were a much better team than we actually were um, or are. But uh, I'm trying to think, what was it? What last point we were going to make on? Oh, it was. I don't know. I don't know if you noticed up in Dallas or. Fort Worth area, wherever you were on Saturday, but Saturday the day it was like burnt orange everywhere in Houston, and then Saturday night same thing. Everyone was talking about Texas. It was like it felt yeah. weird. Um, they gave us like, like front, three front different front segments on game day. Yeah, it felt well. Not only that, but like they advertised our game like all week. Obviously, you try to pump a UT game up because they know numbers come with UT, but it felt so good seeing UT play like under the lights on primetime ABC again it was so nice no I agree with you like as much as annoying as Kirk Herbstreit is and as much as yeah. I've drunkenly yelled at him uh <laughs> it was uh it was that was cool um so I I agree with you that Fowler makes up for Herbie like it the thing about Fowler I love Fowler like and I like him a lot more than Reese Davis when he, as the college game day like head guy and right. so, whenever he calls a game, it's like, man, like that was awesome when he used to do game. I don't know. I get real weird about it. No, he's just a really, like, really good announcer. He knows, um, I guess, how to keep the game flowing in terms of, I guess, conversation between him and Kirk. And, and not only that, but he's also really good at tennis too. But uh, yeah, is, he, yeah. It just, I don't know. It was, it was cool seeing us under the lights. I don't know about you, but I can't tell you the last time we played in a road game. Maybe it was USC last year. Road game, national TV. Jeez, um, yeah. At night. No, US, oh, USC was, yeah, it was Fox. So, yeah, no, it's true. But I guess uh, for including Fox, but primetime ABC, I cannot tell you the last time we did that. So, I don't know. It felt good to see that. Um, obviously, we already kind of went over overall disappointing with the loss, but I think this was a huge, and you kind of hinted at it a second ago, uh, maturity game for us because mm-hmm. the second half we were. I mean, a totally different team until Brandon Jones. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, but we weren't making mistakes. We were playing disciplined. And I don't know. It just it felt good. It, it hurts to lose, but it felt good. Yeah. So Let's well, let's um, get into the good and the bad. Um, let's start with the offense. Uh, apologies also, on the thunder on my end. It is, like, extremely bad in Houston right now. Is it really? Yeah, there's, like, tons of thunder and lightning. So, a little extra added effect to the podcast, right? It's now. Halloween, dude. Um, all right, uh, let's let's go into the good and the bad. Let's start yeah, the yeah, let's do it. Start the offense. Um, I'll start off good, very solid performance by Sam. I mean, going into it, I honestly thought Shane was gonna at least like play. I don't, you know, maybe start. And then like that Thursday press conference, and I was like, is he playing Mensa mind tricks or like what's going on here? And he comes out, I was like, nope, like he's a hundred. He was telling the truth, like he's healthy. Like, all right, cool. Let's 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 roll. Uh, he. Threw great all night. Hit some really bad drops uh, that really would have helped him out. Uh, he still ran the ball great. I didn't see anything wrong with the shoulder. Uh, I, I, he didn't get hit ton, but I, I don't know. I didn't see anything wrong with Sam, and I thought he played a really good game. Obviously, he played way well enough for us to win. 
uh, and no turnovers. He keeps the inter- interception streak going, which is very underrated. Like it, c- compared to like what he was doing last last year, the way that he's kind of commanded throwing the ball this year is should be very scary uh, for teams at the end of this year and going into next year that he can do that. Also, obviously the feet and uh, ability to extend plays with his legs are there, but if he can throw the ball like this, like be worried next year for the rest of the big 12 and who we play LSU. So I, yeah. I, th- I thought he played great, especially going into it. Nobody knew what his health was going to be like. When he was running in the first quarter, I was like, Oh my gosh, we're going like, to yeah. run our just hurt quarterback. This like, he's going to put his head down and like run over somebody. Okay. This is great. It's going to be hurt again. And he, he played unbelievable. He was throwing dimes all night. Um, Dilford dimes. And, <laughs> Okay, I, I know I wrote it on there, but I hope you haven't seen it. Well, how many yards does he, do you think he threw for? I I know, but if I I, I mean I, I if I would have guessed, I would have thought it would have been over three hundred. Well, yeah, I mean, he was just south of it, two eighty three. But he that's just I mean I guess OU was his highest um, yards in a game with three hundred fourteen. Um, but Mike, yeah, you you kind of hit the most important thing. He's not turning the ball over, and on the road, that is the most important thing. Dude, even when he got like sacked on that like I think his first quarter like he they extended the play whatever and they only rushed like three so it took forever to get to him and they're com- they were coming from behind him I, and like he's about to throw the ball I was like how does he not fumble that like that's incredible that he has like yeah. that strength and awareness to like tuck the ball I don't know it was incredible he looked really mature and then he also at the end of the third quarter when I think we were all like lining up to do our little you know, beginning of the fourth quarter thing, he had like a little swagger to him, and they showed him. I was like, "All right, there we go." He's got everyone pumped up. It sounded like they were playing Mo Bamba at the stadium. I think just like everyone else is. Um, but yeah, I mean, awesome game. Uh, bounced back from an injury that looked a lot worse than um, it turned out to be. Thank God. But um, I think kind of going back to what we were talking about before we jumped into the offense was that this was huge for him. He you know had his one night game at USC last year where he unfortunately choked. And, I mean, he, this was a big environment. Halloween, yeah. um, still water at night. So, it was awesome to awesome to see him play well and look 100% healthy. So Last thing on that, the throw to Beck over, up the seam was probably the best throw he's ever had in his career. Wow, did you see my notes? Good transition. Yeah, there you go. What do you got for him? <laughs> so, I'm going to write say what I wrote. Good. Andrew Beck. <laughs> great route on the seam route or whatever. Uh no, great game from Andrew Beck after a bad week against Baylor. Um, he was very, very involved in the passing game, especially in that pass to the one-yard line. Um, Shout-out to Sam for putting the ball where only Beck could catch it. Um, also had a lot of great, uh, uh, in, the, in the second half at least, he had a lot of good run blocks for Keontae to get open and um, get run, run free. So, um I couldn't really find another good, so that's why I went with him. Um, I know you always take your boys in the trenches, so I didn't want to take one of those guys. But, yeah, uh, good Andrew Beck. Uh, no, yeah, you, you, I always do. But this time I'm being a little more specific. I'm uh, only shouting out the tackles. Calvin Anderson, Sam Cosme. I thought the interior line played okay. If I had a few really miss uh, – assignments that really kind of screwed us running the ball but uh i thought calvin anderson sam cosme had a probably the biggest test uh for obviously the, on defense but on offense they probably had the biggest test uh what's his name brailford Brail what bradford or something like that he yeah. was leading the nation or not sorry in the entire oklahoma state uh d, d- line was leading the nation in sacks so calvin and cosme kind of sounds like a buddy cop movie they played really well, um, and they hadn't been truly tested. I'd say, like, Ben Bonogo at TCU, but, I mean, look how they fucking suck, so it doesn't really matter. But, like, they kept Sam clean all game, um, only allowed one sack against – I mean, when you allow one sack against the D-line that's uh, leading the nation in sacks, like, that's really, really good. Yeah, um, they definitely held their own, for sure. And they did well run the ball, too. Um, we ran the outside a lot, and they were stealing the edge, so – Shout out to those guys. I thought they played really well and uh, stepped up to the the big task ahead of them. Oklahoma State always has a good D line. Yep, they always have one coach? guy who's like a stud. Like, do they have a coach that's been there forever or something? I, I have no idea. It could be like one of those random guys. It's just a beast and doesn't want to leave there. It's paid like 
a pretty average amount, but just so good and no one knows about him because he's in Stillwater kind of thing. But um, <clears throat> I agree. He had a – both those tackles had great games. Um, unfortunately, Vahe did not um, – I mean, he didn't have a bad game. He did have a good game. I hate – I mean, my, my biggest thing was just the holding call at the end of or the fourth quarter that uh, – yeah, took away the first down, which is questionable holding call. Um, even Adam Ulatowski said on Twitter it was not a holding call. So there you go. If, he says it, if he says it, then definitely wasn't holding. Um, Favorite O lineman of ever. Dude, come on, Casey Stutter. No, Ulatowski's a stud. Boy, all right. Um, Defense, bro. <laughs> so, random fact: apparently Malcolm Roach had one reception for negative one yards. Wait, so what? <laughs> Classic ESPN. I saw, like, he was, like, thinking about, like, maybe playing again. I was like, ah, da, 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 I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know who, has, who he shares a number with, but apparently <laughs> ESPN got that mixed up. But um, let's go to a bad. Let's keep moving here. Uh, bad on the offensive side. Trey Watson, he um, – for the first half, we weren't really doing much in the run game, but he ended up having, um, was it five carries? Yeah, five carries for a total of – Six yards. Um, I didn't realize it was that bad. Jeez. Yeah, it was not his best game. Uh, Keontae kind of took over in the second half. Um, Keontae's kind of gradually taking over um, in general. Um, Keontae had 11, or, yeah, 11 carries for 52, which that means his production was down, mainly because Sam was back. But, um, yeah, Trey, when he had the ball, really, ugh, really was not running hard. Um, or, excuse me, wasn't given the chance in the first half to really run hard. In the second half, he just – I don't know. It looked like he was kind of deflated or wasn't 100% for some reason. So that was my bad for um, the offensive side. I don't know if you had one. No, I really didn't have like a true bad. I was going to put like the interior lineman, but they didn't play terrible. And they didn't play well, but they didn't play, I think, bad enough to get a to get a bad. So let's, uh, let's go over to the really bad side of the ball. Um, well, it was interesting, one thing before we move on, the receivers, like – it was a very average game from them. And yes, like, that's true. What was, was, was frustrating was like the the um, Oklahoma State D backs really weren't that good. Whoever no. that AJ Green guy was was really pissing me off. But yeah, that guy's uh, good. But other than that, but you know, it was weird. It's like it, I don't know if it, we just couldn't get. I, I don't know. It just every pass play, whether way on defense or on offense, always seemed to go Oklahoma State's way during this game. It was really frustrating. Um, but Anywho, they were due for a bad game. It's time to wake up and do it, uh, get better and play West Virginia. So let's go to the defensive side. Uh, let's start with the absolute worst. I mean, like, so bad. The worst I've seen this year by far. I usually have, like, the player side a little bit, but not this week. This was so pitiful. The linebackers this week was the worst performance I've seen for any position group this year by far. Uh, yeah. Anthony Wheeler was so slow and played so soft and accepted blocks all day and just couldn't fill a hole when they were running that stupid zone read the entire time. I mean, like, if the running back's to the right of the quarterback, the play is probably a run to the left, you know? Like, it's not your job to handle the freaking quarterback. They're reading him. They're reading the DN's got him. So just go fill the hole, and when you see the freaking – O-linemen go to his whatever side, you know, away from the back. Like, that's where they're handing it off to. And he just couldn't – I don't know what it was. He couldn't get that through his head. Uh, and then Gary – Gary's strength is his speed. And to get – to truly, like, you know, let that strength be shown, he's got to get into space and he's got to be allowed to chase down running backs and, you know, chase them to the sideline or whatever. But to, to allow that, he's kind of got to get there – before everyone else even if there's still like a lot of space for the running back if he's there before everyone else i'm taking gary every minute he just wasn't seeing it quick enough either and then him being so slow to it was allowing an offensive guard tackle whatever get to him and gary can't get off that he's not big enough it was just so freaking frustrating to watch they both just got manhandled in the first half obviously the first quarter I, i don't know what what was going on it was pitiful to watch I, I couldn't believe Orlando just, like, wouldn't blitz him every single play. Like, just take him out of the play. You know, like, see if they can go disrupt something from the get-go because they aren't doing it just off reading by themselves. 
I was like doing that a little bit in the third quarter, but yeah, I thought I was surprised it didn't come earlier as well. It was just so fucking pathetic all around. Like I, they couldn't like shake any blocks either. No, they could not get off a block. It was really, it was weird because it's not like that Cornelius guy was that fast, and it was like he was getting around us, and I was like, God dang, where is somebody? You know, like every time he uh, held it on his own read, I was just like, Come on, someone's got to be there. And then you were right; it was the linebackers just couldn't get off blocks. Like um, that's the thing, like running like the three two. Like I get like while you do it in the Big Twelve, so like you have an extra guy defending against the pass and like outside runs, but it relies so much on the linebackers because obviously there's two alignment that are available and possibly a tight end to block two linebackers and anything up the middle, anything kind of in a little bit inside, like that's tough to play against. I get that, but I mean with uh, Wheeler being like a whatever a four three year starter, a two and a half year starter, Gary's played like older than anyone on the team. Like y'all should know this. Y'all should be able to get this through your heads on what's going on and, and they just couldn't do it. Yeah, that was ugh. first quarter again that's all I keep thinking about. It just was like giving me nightmares of two or three years ago Charlie Strong defense where yes. Oklahoma State was just like going over our, over our head the whole time. Yeah. Um, but we made adjustments and shut them to held them to seven points, should have been zero in the second half. Um but yeah the linebackers that was that was ugly. Um should we I guess go to the safeties now? They, they Yeah. Uh B Jones, man, that was probably one of his worst games. He looked lost yep. out there. Um I don't know who it was I was talking to. I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but um, at the end of the first half, when after the stupid offsides call, um, a ball, I think it was fourth and one, and they tossed the ball up, I guess, to the like two or three-yard line, and Chris Boyd jumped too early. Mm, yeah. And then B. Jones kind of like ran behind the guy. I was like, dude, I don't know why you were playing for the tip drill or something, yes. but like, you're contained at that point, and it just – he wasn't Ugh. playing the ball. Like, he was playing the the receiver. And yeah, it was like Earl, jo- or Earl Jones, Jesus. Earl Thomas, <laughs> fucking Crabtree way back when. But, yes, uh, it had so many. I was immediately, so I was like, wow, that looks like Crabtree. Yeah, but um, obviously much. Oh, that was Webb I was talking to on that. Shout out to Webb. Um, but, no, it, it beat Jones. And then the, this is more special teams than, than defense. But his catch on the freaking eight or seven yep. yard line whatever it was yep. I mean just that like, honestly is like the, the critical point of the game that like I we were rolling we had stopped them three times in a row we had scored two times in a row and we were rolling and then we had the ball on the one yard line and I yep. was like alright let's see if we can somehow pull a miracle here and then we'll know what happened from there but um, other than him uh, Stearns, you know, Stearns, Stearns has been kind of quiet, I want to say, the last few games. Do you, would you agree? Yeah, no, I would. I think teams are kind of figuring if you don't really throw in his general direction, you can kind of eliminate him. Yeah. Uh, and Gundy's obviously probably the best schemer, offensive schemer in the Big 12. So, yeah, they figure that out pretty quick. And B.J. Foster looked a little lost on multiple plays. I saw him, yeah. like, get beat. Um, so... None of those guys. They kind of all had a you know freshman game, um, which was I guess kind of new on a big stage game because like, yeah. every big stage game we've had this year, they've really kind of played above their potential. And they've been at home. Yeah, good point. Or neutral. So, um, like they haven't had a big away night game. So let's talk. Let's talk PJ Locke for a second. Uh, what's the word on him? I honestly haven't seen anything. So I think that honestly probably means he's fine. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. I, I I couldn't really tell a difference honestly after. Me neither. Like, I mean, I think it honestly, I think it does help. I mean, like look at the first half versus the second half, but like <laughs> if you break it down that simply, but I I couldn't find anything that Josh Thompson did like unbelievable, you know. Correct. So yeah, like on paper it looks better, but I think that was because the defense as a whole was playing better. Yeah. No, you're right. That individual position. So yes, no, hundred um, percent. But, I, you know, when he went walking off, I was like, oh, wow, he's done. But then nothing – that's why I was asking. I thought, you know, you would hear news or something from the injury report. I, I had not heard a thing yet, so. No, I think uh, he's fine. But, let's uh, see, who else? Let's well, go to the D-line. Yeah, the, we... the, I think the one good of the defense, in my opinion, was Charles Amenahu. I thought he played really, really well. 
had some great plays against the run, kind of disrupting, uh, you know, a, a guard and a tackle at the same time, bouncing some stuff outside, all that. And also had a really good pass rush against a pretty weak uh, Oklahoma State O-line. Uh, I think he is – I think it's crazy to say, but I think he probably gets drafted now because um, he's got the size and he's really kind of shown the tenacity that he can play. Um, I, I, I just don't see how, like – NFL team would pass him up with those like measurables and he could probably put on like 30 40 more pounds obviously the speed isn't entirely there but yeah uh I, I just love the way he plays and it's really fun to watch and he I mean talk I mean talk about it like he is the epitome of guys who have seen so much shit um and he has grown so much I know we talked about him a couple weeks ago but he's grown so much in his four years yeah not only physically but just football IQ as well Definitely. Um, and a leader too. Once Malik yes. left, his like he was always kind of in the shadow of Malik, and now it's kind of his his year this year. No, I agree with you. And I but, mean to see him like pissed off for the rest of the season, like trying to get to the Big Twelve Championship and trying to win that is going to be really fun to watch, especially this yeah. week. Like West Virginia is going to be dropping back forty times. He's like, let's go! Like I'm so, getting that ass. I guess. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's playing for. I mean, it, I, I think he's. Still an undrafted free agent. I don't think he's drafted, but I think he's getting close, um, just based on the lack of speed. But let's talk about the other side of him, um, Brecken Hager. I would say Brecken had a much uh, – he had a good game, but unfortunately the overarching theme is just the stupid play at the end. Um, some would argue that, hey, it's just him being physical, which he is, and being aggressive, which he is. But, hey, be mature – Take the loss. Don't do what you like. Don't. There's no need for that. And you know, once you do that, ESPN is going to show that and just you know, bad talk Texas about you know being sore losers and whatnot. So that was disappointing to see. But in terms of the whole game, he played very well. Yeah, he um, did. Actually, contained a lot better, except for when Cornelius would, well, I guess that first day on the runs. Um, <laughs> the play but, of the game. You know, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about Brecken? Yeah, I agree. It sucked that he did, um, like, have to. Uh, kind of bonehead move. Yeah, that he had to, like, kind of ruin the, the his play with that stuff, at that shit at the end. But, like, it, he did play well. It's tough not. I mean, it was, like, so evidently had a couple sacks, I think. And I think he had a tackle for loss. So, I, I, I agree that he played well. I just hope that he's just such an emotional player. And that was, like, the first time. He had really kind of reined it in this year, you know, in terms of uh, not playing or not pulling those kind of stupid mistakes. And um, so that was the first time it really happened all season. So I'm fine with the emotion, obviously, and he's kind of the most emotional guy on the defense. So he's not going to stop doing that, but – I don't know. He made up for it with his play. It just sucks that it was at the very – like, if that was at the beginning of the game, everyone would have forgot about it, you know? But since yeah. that was, like, the last, like, straw of, against us, then you're like, okay, that looks pretty bad. So, the defense uh, – Oklahoma State was 10 for 20 on third down and 2 for 2 on fourth. Uh, that's a little bit higher. That's a lot higher than what we typically give up on third down this year. But, again, 250 yards in the first quarter and then 500 at the end of the game. So – um, and zero for turnovers forced. I want to. I mean, you already kind of said it earlier on, but I mean, the defense played like crap. But credit Oklahoma State. I mean, their offense was ready to play us, and they took advantage of some young players and playing at home. So, it's frustrating loss, disappointing that it had to happen on national television, and everyone, you know, I mean, everyone was watching it. But um, again, a maturity game. Um, I think it will pay dividends in the long run for all of our players. And um, I don't know. I think I think we're going to see ourselves in a bunch more games like that moving forward. Yeah, so. no, I agree with you. It was definitely a maturity game. makes everything an elimination game now. Players know what's ahead of them, and they know what's going to be behind them if they lose again. So I, I agree. Big kind of uh, turnaround for them. But all right, well, enough of that game. I'm sure we just everyone's just really enjoyed us pouring salt into the wounds. Let's go to uh, uh, some voicemails. We've got a, two pretty good ones this week. Um, we'll start off with a familiar voice. Oh, fuck. Well, drink that wild acre while you wait for us. Hey, to, guys, uh, it's Webb. I'm one of the original email chain listeners. Oh, yeah. um, I got a question for you guys, and 
with all the things that happened last week, like uh, our guys being late to practice, being suspended, Chris Boyd mouthing off on Twitter to Emmanuel Acho, or um, the near fight that happened at the end of the game with you know Hager, Tom Herman, whatever happened. Does all that stuff signal a deeper underlying mentality problem that our team has right now? I really don't know the answer to that question, but want to see if you guys can can give us your thoughts. Uh, thank you guys, and hook them horns. All right. He asks a good question, but I think of all of those incidents, they're all so separate. Um, first off, like the Ocho thing was so weird. Like, I thought Ocho was like <laughs> yeah. such like a buttoned up, like, you know, nice guy. And then he pulls out. I was like, wait, what the hell is going on here? Who pissed in your Cheerios, you know? Uh, I, I honestly like Chris Boyd saying that. Like, I know it's annoying and it's ESPN, so it gives them stuff to talk about. But, like, if a former player is, like, talking bad or whatever, and, like, he was, he was tweeting about it and everything and being annoying. It's one thing if you go on ESPN and say, oh, Chris Boyd had a rough game. But when you're on Twitter saying, like, this guy sucks, like, I'm fine with you, like, completely talking back to him. And it sounded like everyone else was, too. So. Yeah. Um. I'm a, I'm in support of, or I'm very against Acho. I guess doing what he did, or at least just I don't know. No need to freaking go film yourself on a two minute long conversation about it. But um, I think Texas is so used. Our Texas fans are so used to like the the well groomed, mature, um, like, I guess cleanliness of Mac Brown. And when you see Tom Herman go running on the field and cussing out and being being held back by the refs, <laughs> like literally being held back, um, it's kind of you get kind of thrown off by it. But I mean, that's just who Tom is, and I think it's just uh, I think it is kind of alarming when our players are tweeting out about um, you know tweeting out an uh, alumni. But I think it's just the, the day and age that we live in uh, with players having. Um, much more of a voice than they used to just via social media. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's definitely concerning. Um, but when you play at Texas, you have all the attention on you, and it just is what it is. So. The, the Herman thing was interesting because I I don't think – I think he they were, he was obviously misinformed. I think he thought Gundy was, like, trying to rile up, like, Hager or whoever – um, and he kind of, you know, he really wasn't. And it they obviously, like, shook hands after the game and seemed fine. Yeah. So I think it was more Herman kind of getting caught up in the moment combined with, like, being a little misinformed. Yeah. But he it's, can it's, handle it better, though. He's oh, 100%. not necessary. And yeah. Hager, I mean, to answer, fully answer your question, Webb, Hager needs to handle, that, handle it better. Herman needs to handle it better. But I'm not, I'm not opposed to what Chris Boyd did. Um, no, not at in all. Response to Acho, I think it's good to protect yourself. Um, but I mean, I don't like Chris Boyd in general, just based on his lack of talent. But yeah, I think if you if a alumni is talking crap, then you might as well respond to him. So yeah, no, I agree. All right, let's go to the next one. We're getting, we're getting pretty uh, technical here, but I like this type of question. Hey guys, this is Robert Durbin, um, avid listener, first time caller. Pretty excited about it question for y'all is um don't know if you've noticed but orlando tends to bring safeties a lot on third down and i guess every time i notice it we seem to miss and there seems to be a wide open guy um what are y'all's thoughts on that it kind of drives me up the wall i wish we could dial up some other some other type of blitzes to maybe get to disrupt the quarterbacks because it seems when we play this kind of gauntlet of teams that all run the same kind of offense they're gonna be able to pick up on it and uh kill us with it so love your thoughts hook him great question by durbin and i i i do agree it is frustrating to watch um on the on the flip side watching bj foster get at full speed and trying to come and take off the quarterback's helmet is one of the most fun things in the world to see happen but i i think a, a big problem with it is coming from just the general space that a safety has to cover to get to the line of scrimmage, you know, or close to it at the snap of the ball, hopefully at full speed is such a timing issue. And in today's, and he brings up a good point about the offenses that we're about to play. Like we're about to play West Virginia tech, 
Iowa State. Like they all, Iowa State's a little bit more of like a power spread, power whatever. But obviously West Virginia and Tech are identical. And both of those offenses are really good about checking uh, plays as they like before the, snap, yeah. before the snap as the quarterback sees it. So I, I agree with him and that it's frustrating to watch. And against Oklahoma State, that sh- it shouldn't have been as prevalent. And I really don't think we'll see nearly as much of it against, um, yeah, against uh, uh, Tech in West Virginia. If anything, it's going to be a complete delayed blitz where like he's the whoever's coming up, whatever safety's coming up, isn't even going to be moving towards the line of scrimmage. They're going to be sitting where they are and then coming off. It was it was a very successful when BJ Foster ran that or we ran that exact play against OU in the fourth quarter, I believe, or maybe it was late third quarter, um, and he actually successfully tackled Kyler Murray um, after being blocked. It was pretty cool, um, and we've run it a lot since. I've noticed the same thing, and I don't think my opinion on this. I don't think our corners are strong enough to be left on an island like that. So. Um, I can't. I don't know how many times we ran that play or that blitz in the um, Oklahoma State game, but I don't. I just don't think our corners are strong enough to leave them out like that. Or two, I don't know why we don't blitz the linebackers more, which we kind of hinted at earlier. Um, yeah. So no, I think I... that we'll see more of um, as long as we are able to contain the quarterback. Which in this case, we should be able to contain the quarterback coming up, but. I don't know. Good point. That's a good question. So, yeah, I, that was a really good question. I, I just I think the the blitzing the linebackers is it's honestly probably too simple for Orlando's mind. You know how he just goes crazy. But anyways, thanks again for the voicemail, guys. Those are awesome. We really do appreciate that. Keep on leaving them. Please leave them whenever. I, I don't know how many like texts, like phone calls, like I'll get like just randomly talking to people, like yeah, like. I was like late last late after the game on Saturday, and I had all these not even like Texas fan, like every fan, like yeah, I was like late, and I thought about calling in, but I didn't. I was like, do it, like please, I don't care who it is, like just call in, like they're gonna be funny, they're gonna be entertaining, like that's the type of stuff that people love to listen to. So please call in. Um, that's called a user generated content for the uh, non podcast producers out there. But anyways, let's go. All right, we got West Virginia this week, Holgo, and the. Uh, What's his name? Will Greer and David Sills and that offense. <laughs> What's his name? Coming into town. Yeah, Will Greer. He's got a kid. Fun fact of the day. Uh, are coming in. John, what have you got uh, on the Mountaineers? The Nears. Yeah. Mountaineers. Um, had their lone loss of the year at Iowa State. Um, if he was at two, three weeks ago now? I think it was two weeks ago. Two yeah. or three. Yeah, two weeks ago, whatever. Um Bounced back with a huge win over Baylor on a Thursday night game back in Morgantown. Has had a really good year. Uh, Will Greer is the quarterback, already before mentioned. Will Greer um, has been, um, I guess, he was the guy who broke his finger last year or something like that. Yeah, we should probably do that again. Um, That would be nice. David Sills, number 13, white guy, right? Um, Just broke the West Virginia record for most receiving touchdowns. Did he really? I believe so. I think I may have drunkenly heard that on SportsCenter last weekend, but. Um, I think he broke – oh, God, who was it? If you know, text me when you listen to this, and I'll give you a beer next time I see you. Uh, actually, it'd probably be a, a Wild Acre beer. Just to, there you go. You know, be nice. So uh, help out with the sponsor. Okay, last note, number eight, Marcus Sims, another big target um, of uh, Wilgers. So remind those two guys remind me a lot of the two receivers from Baylor. So um, fully expect – there to be a serious um, emphasis on the passing game from West Virginia, as always. Um, but um, I guess before we jump into predictions, oh no, excuse me, you got you got the defense. So yeah, the, defense. the West Virginia defense is kind of pretty interesting. It's a lot better than you think it would be uh, compared to uh, past past years, especially the rush defense overall rush defense. But uh, there's a kind of a flaw in their numbers and that they've really haven't played a true uh, tough offense out of outside of tech. I mean, obviously what or Iowa state's a good offense, but that's a second string quarterback and it's Matt Campbell's a great coach, but I wouldn't consider them a true tough offense and their numbers 
really good down against opponents with winning records. They also got uh, the second-worst red zone defense in the Big 12 with the second-worst touchdown red zone conversion rate. Um, I think it was something crazy. Like Teams are, when they get into the red zone, like 80% of their scores are, are for touchdowns. So they're wow. really not good backed up against in their own uh, – uh, yard or sorry in their own territory uh but like i said the offense like you're talking about i mean the offense is still legit so it kind of makes up for it but defense they've got small linebackers they've got two safeties one's a fifth year senior i think and others like a two-year starter junior so they've got a lot of experience experience in the back end but the linebackers are probably where you can exploit them and their d lines nothing incredible so uh, obviously our defense has got to play a lot better, um, but still against like they're uh, the same thing for their offense when they play against teams that aren't that uh, that uh, if you take out teams that really aren't that good their numbers go way down. So uh, I, I like our chances, I really do. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, obviously it's going to be a high scoring game. I think the over is at like fifty eight. I would hammer that and take the alt over if you can. All but day. I think if we can keep him under 35, like we can win this game and let Sam uh, do his thing like he did last week and really kind of open up uh, this offense at home. I heard saw we sell, officially sold out, sold out uh, as of today. So I'm taking horns in a semi-close one, but a late touchdown really puts us over the edge at 40 to 33. Yeah, I think uh, home crowd is key here. Um I don't think we would be able to go to Morgantown and win with this team. Just don't think it's there. The team's maturity nope. is very dead. But, no. Nope. Um, I think this is a tough one. I think we go into the half with a lead. Um, and I think Keontae Ingram has a huge game this week. Um, I think we make a mistake late, which is the first time we've done that. Uh, well, no, I'll take that back. Last week we did that. Um, I think we make a big mistake late where West Virginia ends up winning by a touchdown, and I got Ooh. West Virginia up 38 or to win 38 31. But I agree with you. If you kind of mentioned it in your prediction, I think if we hold West Virginia to under 30, we win this game. But if they get over 30, it's I just I got a bad feeling that we can't keep up with their offense. No, so I agree. Um, I think that 30 is that threshold, which is like really weird to think that I don't know that we can keep up with that. Because um, I feel like last year we just we were just hoping to get like twenty points, but um, I, I do think West Virginia pulls away with this one, um, and then it becomes a very interesting season the rest of the way out. Um, but I hope you're I hope you're right. All right, let's jump into it. Games of the week. This is an awesome week um, for sitting on the couch and watching football all day. Uh, Georgia, Kentucky at Kentucky, two thirty CBS game with Hayden S. Gary. Kentucky is plus 10. The winner of this game is probably going to the SEC Championship. No, I think they are. I think this is the is SEC this officially? East Championship. Is Florida yeah, it's, officially out? Yeah, oh, yeah I guess they are. Um, which is that's a crazy that Kentucky has a shot to do that. But uh, Fromm's got the dogs uh, offense rolling now. I was completely wrong last week on that. Yeah, you are. And the defense finally showed up. But, dude, watching Florida play offense is, like, the worst shit in the world. Like, ever since Tim Tebow, they haven't had a game. I don't know how they beat LSU. I guess I LSU had a bad game. Well, they had a pick six, which, I mean, the only yeah. way. But, anyways, uh, Kentucky's Benny Snell running back. Uh, if you haven't watched him this year, I highly suggest it. He probably should be getting some Heisman love, but he's not because he plays for Kentucky. But uh, I think Georgia wins this. They're, they're pissed off now. Uh, Kirby wants another shot at it, like last year. Um, now that the defense has kind of shown up after they lost so much from last year. So I think the dogs cover pretty easy in this one. Yeah, not only that, but their offense is rolling again. Yeah. Kind of stumbled there, um, credit LSU a bit. But uh, Georgia's offense is rolling. I think Kentucky's had a very surprising season, doesn't have enough to keep this um, keep this close. So I think Georgia pulls away in the second half and wins by 17. Ooh, okay. Uh, next up, 245, we got State Penn at Michigan on ESPN. Michigan is minus 10. Uh, I just I don't know. Look, I don't, like, yeah. Is Michigan good? Like, I know their defense is good, but, like, if they played against, like, an actual offensive, like, conference, like, I don't know if they'd show up as well. Obviously, the D-line's really good, but outside of that, 
I can't decide, but Penn State looks just broken on offense without Barkley. McSorley just can't do it all on his own. Um, I think Michigan wins this, but I, I don't know if they can cover it. Look at the Michigan schedule real quick. So I'm trying to remember. I think I read a stat that Michigan has won and covered. Yeah, they have won and covered every game except for the Northwestern game. Um, you mean Notre Dame? Oh, no, sorry. The games that they've won, yes. Yeah, so they lost to oh. Notre Dame, and they did not cover versus Northwestern. Yeah. But in all the other games, um, Wisconsin and – God, there was a few other ones on there. But, okay, long story short, I don't think they're getting enough credit for, um, I guess – where they actually are. I think Michigan wins and actually covers this game. I don't think Penn State's that good anymore. Uh, kind of a little bit of their Iowa game. I think they won that game because just being at home and Death Valley is awesome. Um, and I think Michigan wins and covers this game. Um, right. Next up, we got Notre Dame at Northwestern, the 6 o'clock ESPN game. Northwestern is plus 9 of the hardest place to play in college football, and that's Evanston, Illinois. Are we uh, taking Northwestern? Are we doing this? I think we're taking North Northwestern. I know Notre Dame is really good, and I think I said a few weeks ago, I think they have probably could argue the second – could easily be the second-best team in the nation. But uh, this was probably the hardest game left for Notre Dame on their schedule. Ugh. Northwestern, yeah. Northwestern uh, rolled over Wisconsin last week like really bad against a completely beat-up Wisconsin team with so many injuries. But still, I think – I don't – think that they can win but i think that they can cover um and notre dame slips out one and slips into the final and gets beat you know in the first round of the playoffs but anyways i think northwestern covers is notre dame not playing usc this year i mean yeah they are but like usc sucks well unless it's at usc no uh i don't know where it is at usc i'm Um, that's not a i think this that spread will be 14 Nah, probably closer to 10, but still. Yeah, that, yeah, I think it's 10-9. But so, um, I think Northwestern kind of caught everyone's attention finally. They were not – I mean, they lost a lot of close games, um, one being to Michigan, like we just mentioned. Um, they got Wisconsin. What was the final score of that Wisconsin game? Did they blow them out? It was bad, and I had Wisconsin, so I stopped watching. <laughs> Classic. Um, I think – I don't know. That'd be tough for Northwestern to get two weeks in a row. I think Notre Dame wins, but does not cover. Ooh, um, yeah, okay. did you? Oh yeah, you already said that, didn't you? Yeah, but uh, well, all right. I don't. I don't listen to you. It's okay. Let's let's go to the granddaddy of them all, the big one, the freaking battle of the Bayou. Oh, I haven't heard about it. Which one? Seven p.m. CBS. LSU is plus fifteen against Alabama and I want everyone to take out their notepad and pen right now and write this down. You do not make money betting against Alabama. And but is this that one off time? No, it's Stick. not, John. Is it? I think it is. What did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> like it's not gonna happen. Look, you go to Vegas and you win on your feelings. I have a feeling LSU is going to cover this game. Okay. Okay, that's not that crazy to say, but still, like, hey, I, that's a win for them. No, it's not. That's the thing. Like, Orgeron's like, oh, we all go down now. We're gonna we'll die. Like, they're not gonna win this. Like, they're not gonna cover. I still don't think Tua plays in the fourth quarter. All right, well, I'll L- bet you. I'll bet you a wild acre beer that LSU, LSU lost to Florida, and Florida playing offense is the biggest joke in the world. It looks like a seventh grade team. Felipe Franks, it beat LSU. <laughs> he couldn't start in any Big 12 team. Maybe Kansas. I'm serious. Like, he is so bad. And what do you think the final score? What do you think the final score is? 45. 20, 24. 17. Yeah. I think it's 45 17. I don't think that's that right. crazy. Well, I'll call you when LSU covers. Okay, deal. All right. Well, enough of that one. That, okay, last one. Let's talk about the Big 12 since we are in the Big 12. Oklahoma Sooners going to Lubbock at night, 7 p.m., playing Texas Tech. Tech has got 14 points, right? Yeah. So, uh, this game was flexed over us. Really frustrated about that. I know you were too. Um, probably rightfully so with um, OU being the higher-ranked team and Tech just being a crazy place to play at night. And we just had the ABC game, I guess, on our end. Um, so, Texas Tech's quarterback is back, Bowden or whatever. Bowman. Bowman, whatever. Hey, they, don't, they don't have the dreadlock guy playing anymore, so a little bit more threat. Um, I don't think 
they really are that good. I think just playing in Lubbock at night is scary. I think OU wins big in this game. I do too. I, I said after the Red River rivalry, I said – sorry, Red River shootout. I said I will take OU from here on – Shootout. That I will take OU against the spread every single game of the regular season because, like, that offense is so freaking dirty – by the, just a little more stat tidbit while we're ranting at the end, and Webb's the only one listening. Uh, <laughs> West Virginia is averaging blinker. Use the blinker. West Virginia is second in the conference and like top ten in the nation, averaging uh, seven plays or seven yards per play. OU is a yard and a half better that at eight and a half yards per play. That's unbelievable. Hey, we beat them. They're almost averaging a freaking first down every single play. Like, how do yes. you do that? Because they had, like, 60-yard runs from Kyler. That's why. I mean, but, like, that's incredible. Anyways, I, I agree with you 100%, I, which means we're so screwed. But I think OU covers this, like, <laughs> big time. And it's Someone it's, could probably be a millionaire if they just, like, bet against everything we said. Yeah, I know. There's, like, there's like Twitter accounts for, like, people who, like, take all of, like, Clay Travis's picks and take the exact opposite. And, like, they actually make money. It's pretty funny, actually. But uh, now I I think OU wins this and they roll. Uh, like I, you could argue that this is the the final straw for uh, Coach Cool too. No, no, I don't I don't agree with that. I think he's saved his job this year. I, I think know. he has. I don't I don't think how you go get someone better at, at Texas Tech. It's so. Tech, man. Like I mean, I just I they're, they're gonna be freaking out. OU has always handled Tech like I don't know. They always handle going to Lubbock better than we do. It's they like playing against your same team too. Like you're gonna take like the more savvy veteran, you know, well coached team when you're playing against yourself. Lincoln Riley kind of reminds me of Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, because the they're like, aren't they like good friends? I think they're like good friends. I look like twins. Okay, enough rambling. Thank you for everyone listening. Shout out Wild Acre. We really are pumped about that. We're wearing Wild Acre ad. I just finished drinking my Wild Acre beer. Really do appreciate. Linking up with them. Uh, we'll see everybody on Saturday. Hope you